0: Hello and welcome once again to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. We're a little uh, a little late this week, but uh, happy to be with you. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, my name is Phil, and this week we have coming off of my shelf nineteen ninety Pleasantville with uh, Toby Maguire and Jeff Daniels and the great Joan Allen. Mm-hmm. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Great. And, uh, had you seen this movie before? How you How you feeling?
1: I feel fine. I don't think I feel any better after watching it, or worse, for that matter. I saw this movie, I believe I'll probably want to say shortly after it came out. Let's say oh. 2000, maybe? Because I didn't see it in theaters, unlike yourself, I'm assuming. Uh, but yeah, I saw it. I, I, it's been a long time, and I recall like, oh, okay, I, I believe uh, enjoying it at the time. So it was. It, uh, I thought it was going to be interesting to revisit 22-odd years later. And and see how how it stands. So I don't I didn't remember a whole lot of the movie, but I I definitely remember the gist of it. That's a hard movie not to remember the gist of. Uh, <laughs> it's all gist. It's all gist. It's a full of gist. Gist. <laughs> <So> I'm like be <laughs> clear here. Uh, but please tell us, Phil. I, I'm trying to figure out what what, what uh, brought this movie um, to light uh, that this week at this time. What is it? Talk to me. I need to know. I need to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, coincidentally, this was uh, a thought around a, a Mother's Day uh, episode uh, that got delayed. So, uh, in part, you know, this was a movie that it, it came out in '98, and, and eventually I, I remember uh, having never seen it actually. I did not go see it in the theater. Oh. It had the pedigree of a movie that I knew I would like at the time. It was '98. I had seen, you know, Boogie Nights. I was a big fan of William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, Music video was one of my favorite Beatles songs, "Across the Universe," sung by Fiona Apple, and the music video was beautiful, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. So I'd seen that on sort of rotation on, on Much Music, and I had seen Joan Allen, I think, in the Ice Storm. You know, so there was just Tom McGuire, obviously. So there was just like a lot of again pedigree, uh, and the writer and director uh, stood out. And so I said to me my mother uh, on my birthday basically that this was the DVD I wanted as a gift okay and we got we went to a couple of the local usual spots and nobody had it and not to be deterred (laughs) uh we took a a little road trip if you if you will uh out to orleans uh (laughs) to the mall there to 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 get it at a music world because it was the only place in the city that we could that we could find it plaster and so i remember just we just hung out for what felt like all day Trying to track down this this single DVD that I think ended up costing like thirty six dollars or something oh, ridiculous. Yeah. In the in in hindsight, uh, I say ridiculous only because I only now would pay that for a four K. Maybe <laughs> you know, paying that <laughs> <for, laughs> paying that for a DVD seems ridiculous now. Four yeah. K, no questions asked. That's easy. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so anyway, so that it was sort of a bit of a uh, when I think of this movie, I think uh, often I think about a day spent with my mother trying to track it down and, and sort of her being willing to spend a day driving around the city in an effort to get this one birthday present for a, a pretty obnoxious kid. So, yeah, um, a nice memory. So, yeah, so that's kind of why I picked it. I thought, and it had been a long time uh, since I had seen it uh, and I have only fond memories of it. And I, and fortunately in this instance, I would say that, uh, I have those same fond memories and probably a few more. Ultimately, uh, I think this movie has grown well from the eighteen nineteen year old kid that saw it mm-hmm. uh, to to the forty three year old guy that's sort of watching it now. and you know as you said, there's so much gist in it. Um, <laughs> I would say that it holds up uh, for better or for worse, it holds up in 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 terms of its context and, and what it's trying to say and some of its uh, sort of ideologies. so, all in all, I, I just I, I adore it. I, I think in many ways it's, it's kind of a perfect movie.
1: Um, I, was tr- I was really, really impressed by it. I was trying to find the right word. If I could describe this word, this sorry, this movie in one word, and I spent, spent hours like, what's the right word for this movie? And this might sound a little ironic, but pleasant. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure
0: that every single audience member was doing a three-second countdown (laughs) to that punchline. I know, I know. (laughs) Like I was. I've been sitting
1: on it, but (laughs) he kept me up all night ready to to let this one rip. Uh, But no, honestly, I didn't find it pleasant or unpleasant, actually, ironically, and on either end of it. Now it's a pleasant story, Philip. It's a little kind of not so obvious Mother's Day story, but still a, a good one nonetheless. So I'm glad uh, uh, we're able to get it in there. And and you're right, we are a little bit late on getting this episode out. But what what uh, what we found in this movie is sometimes things don't go quite as planned, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we got in the routine of of, of doing it, you know, every releasing every Monday morning. We've been doing that for a long time, and maybe we needed a little bit of color. So we just held off uh, a few extra days on this one uh, just sure. to, to keep it fresh, to keep it uh, interesting, yeah. <laughs> and, and just to, to admit the world that we, we are poor poor planners, really. Is yeah, sure. I,
0: I felt like Jeff Daniels. I was just wiping down the counter <laughs> all day long without... Without the phone call, I didn't know what to do with myself. I wasn't. Uh, I was completely lost. So. Uh, so it's 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 a great sort of treat in some ways. I, I think to sort of watch this movie again in my in my view anyway, because I, I think as I mentioned, it's sort of talking about in some ways it's sort of this reflection of where we are. It is telling a story about these sort of kids stuck in the nineties with a with a you know sort of these sort of created manifested sort of false memories almost of of the 50s nostalgia and we've talked about this off and on in in a couple of different movies and and there is something to this sort of nostalgia machine that this movie is sort of if not commenting on specifically is certainly using as the as the sort of narrative device and I, i think about you know how the 80s are so prevalent in our society in our times and, in, and particularly in our, in our movies and stuff that, you know, I used to, I remember hearing way back, you know, that, that movies and sort of uh, nostalgia works on a 20 year cycle okay. uh, in, in some ways. So the films of the seventies in particular were really heavily focused, not really heavy, but, but, but heavily focused on, Themes of the '50s, and so just stuff like Happy Days and oh, yeah. uh, Grease and American Graffiti, and you know mm-hmm. there was this this real sort of touch touching into this 20 year earlier thing. And if you remember the '80s, uh, they were big in the '60s, and the '60s were really had kind of a thing uh, in, in, in 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 pop culture, and obviously things like the Yuppies, you know, sort of reflecting on the the world of the hippies. I think of movies like The Big Chill. Uh, as that e- example of of these, you know, twenty years looking back thing, you've all grown up and looking back in your childhood, and that continued a little bit in the '90s too. With you know, when I was in high school, like a lot of bell bottoms and
1: Ooh, you know, and sort confused. of
0: afros and Daisy Confused, another example, exactly right. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of twenty year kind of gap. It seems
1: okay, interesting
0: that had that had been the thing for thirty years, but I feel now that we're just sort of perpetually stuck in the '80s, and I think that's telling you know in the years uh 2000 and stuff with the advent of the internet and youtube and stuff that the 80s is accessible at every given turn even more so i suppose in the 50s and 60s that might be and so there's this sort of constant churning as it were of of our childhood and theoretically that would have stopped in the 2010s and it would have deviated into the 90s and so forth although. I do see now. There's some sort of '90s fashions that are coming. So it's just fascinating to me that this sort of context of nostalgia has always been sort of prevalent and present in our in in art and in in our pop culture. Yeah. And I thought this movie kind of spoke about that in, in a pretty interesting way. And then obviously the different context we'll get into in terms of what that actually means. But um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any? Have you noticed that? Do you have any feelings about nostalgia? Because we see it all the time, right? I mean, the movies, the Ghostbusters, gets re-released, just reboots. There's all this stuff churning it out.
1: I didn't pick up on the 20-year thing because I'm thinking, well, Star Trek came out in 1960 and that wasn't about 1940 except for that one episode. Where they went back to? No, that's true. 1940, 1940 Earth, I think. they're <laughs> anyways. So I didn't pick that. Might up. have been the advent
0: of television. Might have been that the 60s were the first sort of uh, decade of television. That yeah, that have, that's or true. 50s, sorry, where the, it may have been just the television piece of it.
1: Yeah, but I do agree when it comes to nostalgia, pop culture. I think, I mean, if you look up the definition of nostalgia, uh, for me, I don't really have any great memories, but the ones I do have involve what I watched on TV. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Sure. I would love to. I mean, be transported into wherever Jerry lives uh, into, into that <laughs> world, and uh, you know that'd be quite interesting. So, and then as you said, everything, you know, getting remade, it gets us all excited. Uh, we we touched on mm-hmm. how excited we would be and how we felt about how we felt kind of about reboots, and you know, even though we are cautious of them because we want them to be good. And we we're concerned that they wouldn't be done well, things like that. Uh, but it, nonetheless, it, I mean, for me, it, it always gets me excited to just to think about it. Like, oh, I remember just mm-hmm. loving that show. I mean, I would love that for them to make a movie, and uh, you know, and I could kind of uh, you know, have all those fond memories of watching the show. Uh, and again, it comes down yeah. to some family moments as well. Be it, it might be a show that you know I, I watched with my dad or my mom or the family. Uh, or that story I shared with Jericho of, you know, it's a fond memory of my, my friend coming over. And so yes. I think for me, nostalgia, I, I like it. I, I'm a big fan. I think it comes into the video game world as well. Uh, some for nostalgia, sure. like oh, I bought the, the Atari, barely touched it, but I just wanted it because of the memories I had with it. Cause my grandma had one, you know, when yeah. I was young and I just a fond memory of my, of my grandmother, uh, of, of of that Atari, and I don't even know where it is, but I didn't play much of it. And it had, and it had 80s music uh, that yeah, obviously yeah. you wouldn't have with the original Atari. So just to add on top of, you know, nostalgia again, on top of that, you have all this awesome 80s music. So whatever it does to us, it certainly releases something in our brain that we really kind of gravitate towards and we're, uh, you know, hard-pressed to find somebody that doesn't enjoy nostalgia uh On some level, Um, obviously there's some more than others and I've had conversations with people and we've shared the same story a thousand times, you know, and it's just because it's, it just brings us back and it's a great story. And even though it's been repeated so many times or, you know, I love doing, I remember we used to play this game up at the cottage, me and one of my friends and we were both big baseball fans and we would just name players from the Expos and Blue Jays of the 80s. And yep. we'd play it every time, and well, at this point, we've named all the ones we know. But just <laughs> that chance that we might name one that we missed the two yeah. prior years trips that we took, just was enough to kind of keep us, you know, keep us at it and going. So uh, there's lots to be said. Not to, nothing to be said about <laughs> nostalgia, and it's fun. It's 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 fun. Yeah, I
0: think I, I think so. I think you know there is this sort of danger of of creativity being lost. You know, in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, has some of that uh, interesting poignant things that we can talk about a little later but I do think that that one of the challenges we're seeing with sort of Marvel or what have you is sort of by movies in particular sort of feeding off it, it, itself you know it's sort of like the, the MacGyver reboot and the Fraser reboot and the Halloween mm-hmm. reboot and the Batman reboot and the you know, there's just so many. Just I mean, a even to your point, in terms of yeah, in terms of video games, I, I think the last couple of games I bought was the Alan Wake remake. Yeah. You know, and the the Disney games uh, uh, remake. You know, and so it, it's it pervades all pieces of of art on some level, and and I think um, it's nice to visit but I'm a little tired of living there. You know, I remember going mm-hmm. to see the new Ghostbusters and just thinking, I hate this, movie. <laughs> you know, even though I loved and we talked about it in the archives, we, we, we talked about Ghostbusters, how much I love that movie. So it doesn't hurt the old movie, but it is sort of a bit of a rolling of the eye that says, I don't need this. You know, I want something new I want something creative. I want something uh, interesting. Yeah. And I worry that the nostalgia thing kind of deviates from it. But the other thing that sort of triggers with the nostalgia and this movie kind of touches on it as well. And, We'll get into the movie itself a little later on, but the idea that sort of, you know, we see it a little bit in the sort of Instagram world and so forth, like the curated happiness, you know, the the envy and the, uh, you know, the idea that the world is better than and, mm-hmm. uh, or, uh, you know, you get to curate it. So, of course, some 1950s television is going to be appealing to a, a kid who's unhappy, you know, you're going to try yeah. and find a, a piece of uh, serenity and peace. Uh, and quiet and you think well yeah everything looks so perfect on that show you know and and I think sure. that again as a as a as a fable as, a, as, a, as an entree into the story Gary Ross who, who who wrote and directed the movie I think brought together a really interesting kind of concept uh, to do that and um, it's a fascinating thing to me I, I really just really dove into that particular piece of it I was really impressed by the use of that narrative device and then thinking about You know, not to to get it all uh, political, but there's this sort of feeling like you know the simpler times and things were better before, and and uh, you know when things were sort of normal, as it were. And you look back and realize when you pull away the the curtain, and things were normal for a certain you know section of people, exactly, or for everyone. (laughs) You know, it's all a masquerade. You know, like it's all just sort of a a facade. And I thought this movie really touches on those things really interestingly, and I, I connect to them. Almost immediately, as I said, we're watching it as maybe an 18, 19 year old kid you kind of get it, but I don't, I, I don't think it fully resonated, let's say yeah and now 20 25 years later ish, you know you realize oh it's it's some deep themes that it's really touching on in some pretty powerful ways.
1: I agree, and I think the issue I had with this and, and I, though although I, I enjoyed the watch for the most part is I feel I would have been better off watching it somewhere in between my two viewings. Like seeing it in like 2000 and seeing it now back in 2000, I liked it. I I recall, okay, that's cool. That's clever. And what it was doing and how they were presenting it was great. But I I think I was too young and inexperienced to truly appreciate everything Ross was trying to do with with the film. And then now I just found it like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is, okay. Yeah. Like this is so obvious what they're trying to do. This is, the the message is Mm -hmm. so obvious I know exactly sure. why you're doing this and, and and everything. I feel like it's hard it's it's tough now to appreciate it because of how we've uh, things have gone on kind of in the world in the last, you know, say 10 years or so. I really feel that had I watched this, you know, say 10 years ago, I think that's where I really mm-hmm. would have maximized everything about this movie, not just certain like oh, like, cuz I still love still love the performances and I love the cast. It was just I can't think of a better cast, really, that that did this. Yeah. yeah. So those things are constants. I just think there's little things of of appreciation I probably would have done had I seen it maybe 10 years ago. uh, ago. And for some reason, I never revisited it. So, I mean, again, I didn't – I'm trying to think of why I didn't revisit it or I just never came across it. It's one of those movies that you might find on TV somewhere. And I can see it being Mm -hmm. a movie that you would – oh, Pleasantville's on. Okay, let's just watch this you know which is kind of funny because that's kind of like what he's doing he's just watching the show. <laughs> a <bit> like, yeah. show
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so it was a bit like that for sure yeah
1: so i can see that being a, a show you a, a movie you would stumble across and 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 watch it through the commercials for sure but i think for something i don't know it was just there's something missing for me where i didn't really really get into it and really like oh wow this is such a great movie Though it was doing so and i can't think of any real flaws to say why I didn't like love the movie. I, I can't think of any yeah. like serious irk- irkiness uh, in the movie. <laughs> Something's like okay, you know. Hmm, but all in all, like no, it's it's uh, it's flowing well. It's it, I like what they did with this. I like what they did that. I, I, I like this line. I like how they approach this. I'm like, oh, this is you know on paper, this is a pretty good movie and a really I don't know how original it is. It's original to me. I don't know if mm-hmm. someone's tried this sort of idea before, but I think it's quite clever. And it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's very interesting. That's, a, that's a, a great way to share this idea, right? And it's a yeah. great kind of uh, platform or a great kind of world to, to kind of do it in. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put him into a 50s show. It's black and white, of course, because it's the 50s. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do that. I'm like, that's genius. So, yeah, but he's, Ross has a lot to work with. Yeah. In, in that regards, I'm almost too much. Where you know, it's like, well, they could have done this. They could. Have, well, we could talk all day what they could have done. I can't say anything I missed. Like I wish they had done this. There's nothing that really pops to mind. So, all no, I think the execution's there, and it was it was a good movie. I just I feel like I didn't get everything out of it uh, this time because of uh, watching it so late. Mm-hmm. You know, but I digress.
0: Well, I think ultimately we differ in that way. And that, I mean, I, I, think you're right. I think that they're ultimately the, the, the messages are pretty clear, right? I don't think there's a lot of subtext, uh, in general. I think it's, it's pretty, uh, clear what it's trying to say and talk about, but I, I think I'm just so enraptured by the performances and the, the look and the aesthetic and the sort of the way that it unfolds that the, some of the more pre- predictable nature of it, um, is sort of forgiven or in some ways kind of ignored. I think that, you know, the allegories that it's trying to put together are certainly not, you know, super complicated. You know, mm-hmm. I think ultimately to your point, I, I think it's, it's pretty clear, heavy, heavy handed. I don't know, but definitely clear yeah. uh, what it's trying to do and messaging around it. But I, again, I, I'm so enveloped by the the tone and, and the performances and this and the story that, you know, and this is sort of a gift of, of Gary Ross. You know, he, this is the first movie he directed and I knew that I was kind of like, you know, on board for it because I I just was so, I was so enamored of his previous two movies. I think that there's, Big is a movie that he wrote that I just loved uh, and, and maybe we'll take it off the shelf at some point, but I just love this, uh, that movie. And he did Dave a couple of years uh, later than Big and and, and both of those um, well, that's he wrote point, right? as that's with Klein, okay. yeah, and they both have this sort of fable kind of quality to them—a bit imaginative, mm-hmm. you know, what if types yeah. of stories. Okay um, and I think he's got a, a a way about him and a touch in in his writing and in his in his um, storytelling that I just connect to. You know, he followed this up uh, a few years later with a movie called Sea Biscuit, and I liked oh, it. Okay, but it didn't really, and it had you know, it had uh, Tobey Maguire yeah. again and. Um, I think Diane Lane was in it. and I liked it okay, right? But it, it felt like it was losing some of the great, again, fable type of qualities that, that, that the, the, these first sort of three movies I think of, which is Big and Dave and Pleasantville, all kind of have together, which is, uh, a, a, a again, a real light touch. I, I, I find yeah. this writing in those three to be really fantastic. And so this feels like a real natural evolution for that. And I was just impressed by every... The construction of this movie, I thought, was really excellent. I just mm-hmm. thought, again, narratively and the tone and and the the way it was presented, what I, I just thought was brilliant. And that it, it, to his credit, because I, I don't know that he's really been able to connect that same way afterwards. But if your three movies, you know, have the if if three of your movie credentials have those three credits, then then I'm I'm with you. You know, yeah. I'll, I'm willing to, to watch anything you got.
1: Yeah, I think maybe you run the risk, like you said, like well, I didn't really. Like Seabiscuit, because you've, you, this is what you're expecting from him at this point. You want that, yeah. that fable esque sense to it. And he decides, well, I want to do something new, just like uh, Dennis Franz all of a sudden wants to be a lawyer instead of a cop. Well, sorry. <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> you're, you're a cop. All right. Uh, maybe you don't have to wear the uniform. You're detect. You're a detective now, but you're still, sure. You know, uh, part of the NYPD uh, police force. But uh, so yeah, you're gonna run that that risk. But I mean, I haven't seen. And forgive me, Philip. I know we have a movie podcast here, um, and I haven't seen. <laughs> gonna
0: drop another one of these. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen these bombshells on. Me? I haven't
1: seen Dave. Big or Biscuit. <laughs> oh my god! I'm not a Toby guy. That doesn't help, but that's not an excuse because uh, I am. I mean, Tom Hanks isn't big, well, right? Yeah, I was gonna right. say Toby's not in big, yeah. and he's not in Dave, so I don't have a, a whole lot of excuses. So I'm not even gonna try to talk myself um, out of this one. I mean, '98 though, Phil. You must admit that's a tough year to be a standout movie. You got obviously you got your Armageddon, which kind of takes the cake, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, I think Truman's Show I, yeah. did come out the same year, and you can kind of yeah. put them in the, uh, in the same world, sort of uh, as, as original as Pleasantville is, kind of what it's trying to do. Uh, you know Truman's show is trying to do some things as well. And: Sure,
0: I mean they, de- they definitely touch on things like you know free will and, and, and how much yeah. choice you really have and, and uh, what's sort of prescribed in, in, a, in a Yeah, like, what's, the, what's world the world outside of where, where you
1: are? like there's like yeah. so there's there's walls at the end of the street or you know imaginary walls or what have you. So yeah, there there's definitely some yeah. comparisons to be made and I did like Truman Show and that's probably going to come off her shelf as well because it's been a long probably almost as long as I've seen Pleasantville I think. I feel okay. Maybe not quite as long I think maybe Truman Show one time after that so uh.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting that you put it together and I think that that kind of leads in some ways directly into the, the movies of 99 which I think that you know there's a couple of these in 98, this sort of where do I belong and, and what is mm-hmm. uh, what's the future and wh- where do I fit into it? And in some cases, reckoning with the past and and in 99, there's so many of those movies are about that kind of identity and, and not just from a, a male perspective, but just identity in general. And obviously the Y2K thing, what's the future hold and when, where are we headed and and this sort of wanting to maybe cradle ourselves in the past in some level. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, that those two years, you know, 98 and 99 gets all the credit for being, you know, the sort of unbelievable year in film. And I certainly mm-hmm. subscribe to that. But uh, I think there's a, a quiet underpinning of 98 that I think leads uh, kind of directly right right to it. And I, I think it's an inter- interesting point you bring up.
1: Nothing quiet about Bruce Willis trying to save the world, buddy. Right
0: remember that uh, uh, yeah
1: um, but yeah so it's uh, and, and it is hard to believe when I'm watching this movie and like wow this is from 98 this this mm-hmm. is I mean it's fun. Oh, I watched the 4k version of <laughs> this half black yeah. and white uh, you know movie and I thought it's really in that regard when it comes to uh, cinematography and just how it's you know what we're visually seeing with our eyes like oh yeah this you could watch this it's not dated at all. When it comes to visuals, when we watch the, you know, again, we keep bringing it up because it's so bad. Memphis Belle is just so visually terrible and it shouldn't have been that bad for its time where this movie, uh, you know, it's doing things that Sin City sort of did, I guess, with kind of the mix of Mm -hmm. mix of colors and stuff like that. Some black and white. Again, I've asked we've asked this question is like, you know, it's kind of a tenant came to mind briefly just briefly okay. is here's an idea of everything's going to be backwards go you know and do it do what you want with it where this one's like we're going to it's going to be black and white and it's going to slowly change into color and this is why this is the idea and go so it's yeah. it's kind of fun i think this is more definitely less confusing <laughs> than doing you know going from black and white to color it's pretty straightforward and the engine for this movie you know, it's pretty clear what it's trying to do, and it's it's well-oiled, it's it's good to go, where Tenet is just, you know, convoluted, it's you know, confusing, and uh, you know what I mean? And it's kind of takes away from the enjoyment of the movie to a certain extent, and you're really depending on some action and some other cool things. For, you don't have to worry about this movie. This is, again, very clear, uh, w- you know, how, how we get there isn't a big deal, you know, like how we get into 1950 uh, is fine. And then what we do with it is that's where the fun begins. And that's where the, that's what the movie focuses on clearly. Uh, you know, how we get there. And what are your thoughts around since we're talking about it is, is the, how, you know, we talk about fantasy and, you know, you have to open your mind up, you know, you're back to the futures and all that sort of thing. How do you, how did you feel uh, about how they get to 1950 or like inside the you show? Know, Sorry. Are, does that be like the year. Sure. But.
0: I think ultimately, you know, if we got Mr. Roper one <laughs> w- one week, we may as well have Mr. Furley the oh, next. Yeah, that's, that's true, yeah. Good point, good point. Uh, you know, this movie's uh, all about Don Knotts. This movie
1: is all revolves around yeah. Don Knotts.
0: Yeah, he's really the linchpin of the whole thing. You know, ultimately, I, I think, you know, there's an element of the movie that is, again, it's sort of this, it's this sort of fable, you know, I keep kind of going back to that term, you know, It's, it's not meant to be reality, it's not meant to be so precise as it were, you know, and so the fun, let's say, of the, you know, the story kind of getting rolling in that, in that way, and we may as well just sort of get into the movie itself. So, I mean, I think one of the things that I find kind of fascinating is there's this you know, you can tell in the opening shots. You know, the first is it sets up Toby McGuire as Bud or, or yeah. David, as being this kind of shy, off, out of sync kind of kid who's obsessed in some ways with this sort of '50s television show. Yeah, clearly, has it all memorized. <laughs> so this sort of fandom uh, uh, that is—it's <laughs> a little sad. He's you know, and, and and they're playing with the camera to have him sort of quietly, meekly have a, an imaginary conversation with this girl he finds attractive. And so they set him up in, in some ways that it, it's a bit kind of kitschy maybe in its presentation, but I think it tells you the story, right? This is yeah. the character yeah, and lays it out pretty good. You know, there's, yeah. And then there's this, there's this really interesting shot really near the beginning after the, the teller telephone stuff. And, you know, cause they, I found that this movie sets itself up very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. It has the Pleasantville stuff early on yep. and uh, from the original show and it's got you know, it sets up Reese as sort of a, maybe a bit promiscuous or certainly not all that interested in school. Mm-hmm. And and David is a sort of television obsessed yeah. uh, kid who's, who's acknowledges, at least in his mind or his eyes, that his mother, you know, we get the viewpoint of... of, of him looking at his mom and while well, she's trying to make a plan but you can tell okay so you're a product of a broken home on some level no wonder you might be gravitating towards this sort of perfect you know picture perfect family yeah. set in the 50s right so you get that sort of tone stuff very very quickly now the remote breaking and 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 the sort of the the happenstance of mr furley showing up uh, to <laughs> to solve the problem again you have to buy into it but I thought it sets up this movie all of that's within the sort of first 10 minutes you know I thought really really effectively, does it does it does it connect to what's happening? I thought really really well.
1: I remember the marketing for that year for Zenith, uh, the commercial, Zenith, the TV uh. that can't turn on normally. <laughs> <laughs> You need the remote over and over again. Was there a year that that happened? I know they're harder to find, and you have to kind of like yeah. go behind the TV because they're all flat screens now. But I'm pretty sure yes. there's still buttons on there. You just have to kind of look for it. I just thought that was uh, yeah. I just noticed it was a zenith. So how do I don't want get many bad sure. uh, uh you know publicity <laughs> bad press bad press. Yeah.
0: But I, I will say I will say that I owned a TV. Uh, that I don't know if it was a zenith, but let's for oh, the must sake of purpose say have a... <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> that the power button broke uh, on the on the actual machine, so yeah, well, it wasn't so much story. that it, 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 yeah. So it wasn't a, a product; uh, it wasn't a manufacturer's defect, but rather it was a broken button. So in that instance, that one television, we absolutely needed yeah. uh, uh, a remote, and when we couldn't find it, we just put a towel, <laughs> just put a towel over <laughs> uh, over it in an effort to. Uh, Good. Make sure that we could uh, turn off the light. <laughs> yeah, that's outside that. Was.
1: That is. That's, that's. But I think it's
0: interesting. It. I liked Furley. I liked that scene. I liked that he's sort of the idea that he's trying to. It sets it up that he's trying to find this kid, and 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 this kid finds some purpose even in knowing this stuff. You know, he's kind of rewarded for the, for yeah. the first time it seems with his sort of obsession. I mean, with a thousand this show. bucks would
1: have been enough, but uh, this works too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think. It it goes to show, like you know, again, you're looking at, at at through the prism of television. You're thinking that's where I want to be. You know, here is uncomfortable, is unhappy. Uh, back there in that you know world is where I, I belong or where I want to be. And I think uh, it's a great simple way to get them involved. And uh, I was really impressed by it. And again, hooked, you know, hooked immediately. I was really really impressed by it. But it was interesting. I meant to say earlier, is there's this shot as Furley as is, is going. Keep calling for the TV <laughs> repairman is going down the street. There is no cars in the parking in the driveways of any of the houses. Okay, and there's 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 something about in my mind anyway. Kind of thinking is this telling that all the parents are out, you know, and all mm-hmm. the kids are watching TV indoors. You know, there's no kids playing. There's well, no deep, you know riding bikes. There's no. It might be me. Kind of maybe you're living always in digging. quarantine for two years. I love it. You're always digging. I love it. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, the sort of COVID thing, you know, kept us all indoors. And anyway, so it was just an image that I that I had popped in my brain that I thought, you know, I wonder if that's what sort of the message of that scene is or what it's trying to tell you. But that's how I interpreted it was that everybody, all the kids, because that's ultimately what's happening with Toby's character, right? Is the mom's mm-hmm. going away for the yeah. weekend to be with her boyfriend, and the kids are just locked indoors, you know, watching TV and oh, oh. and you know, certainly in many ways, that's how I grew up, <laughs> you know, in the eighties <laughs> yeah, and whatever. It's a lot of up. just hang out at home and watch the TV and stuff. So yeah. I think there's something to that.
1: I think I would like to see a movie that is, you know, 1998 and takes them into the TV, you know, 20, 30 years into the future and call it Unpleasantville because that's what what they would get. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. This world of... uh, I also
0: wanted to mention just briefly because in the stuff that it sets up, again, I just love the way this is set up so so beautifully. Uh, In the scenes... Where they're in school, you know, after the bell rings, they go inside. This is before they get sucked, obviously, into the television. But there's every teacher; he's in that class, and they're all just oh, yeah. telling you how miserable life is, yeah. right? They're talking about there'll be, uh, you know, the, the ozone layer is eroding, and all the good jobs will be gone by the time you graduate. And there's no yeah. point; like life is hopeless. It's all useless, and it's just a waste. Get good and, grades, yeah, and no wonder. You know, again, people are looking for uh, some sort of escape hatch right, when everything you're being told is, is doom and gloom and misery, then yeah, the bright smiles and the perkiness of, uh, you know, Honey, I'm Home uh, is obviously an easy yeah. uh, res- respite, you know, from, from, the, from the day of the world. So again, you understand it sets up very quickly why Tobey Maguire might be obsessed with this kind of show, you know.
1: For sure. I think they pretty much nail climate change. I think, oh, and, and when you're 30 years old, the, the temperature would have rise two and a half degrees. World, you know, yes. like, huh, that sounds. I don't know if it's right. I didn't, didn't fact check it, but it sounds right. It sounds pretty good. So, <laughs> uh, whoever they reached out uh, for the science of this movie, they did a really good job. <laughs> I got the right people because I think they uh, they got the numbers right. But uh, you're right; they, they do a. It's quick. It's to the point. Uh, they set her up. Uh, I mean, they're twins. They set her up, and it's very. It's classic, really. He's the. This has been done before because it works. You have the popular mm-hmm. sister and the unpopular brother the or the nerd yeah. or the smart one and she's the promiscuous one and that's the relationship and it, it, it's just it's 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 been used before because it works it's a it's a it's a good one and uh, you know i don't know why toby uh, sorry david is hanging around mm-hmm. his friend and doing this trivia and his friend clearly sucks at and doesn't yeah, watch pleasantville like get better friends that you know it's like me t- it's like me doing seinfeld trivia with you What's the point, right? Sure. Or, or maybe
0: like me doing a movie podcast with you. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <That's laughs> for that one, that's fair. It's fair. <laughs> and here we are. You know, we all here we, are. we
0: all have our reasons.
1: Yeah, here we are. We all have our reasons. <laughs> I guess you know you can't be too choosy with your friends if you you. You're, Friendship right. knows no
0: bounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If your passion
1: is Pleasantville, <laughs> you take any friend you can get because the show didn't look that interesting. It looked pretty boring. No, it's is it a comedy? Like you know, it's like it's just a life. It's just the way you know it's a comfort.
0: Well, it's it's your Leave It to Beavers. If you ever watched any old like Leave It to Beavers or Father Knows Best or the Donna Reed yes, Show yeah. or any of those, there's not a lot of. I mean, the things that I find as a person that's seen uh, uh, a few of those types of shows, this one it delivers on what that. Is mm-hmm. right that there is oh, no yeah. real conflict. There isn't any real. Uh, Wally and the Beave, you know, get mad at each other, and someone, you know, trips over a, a cat, and you know, everyone sort of solves the the their problems in a day. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you haven't seen the cat tripping episode, no, you're really I, missing I'll have out. To check it out. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. Alert, I don't want to. I don't want to get too yeah, deep, but okay. but check it out. It's a real episode. Okay. <laughs> It's not a real episode. I'll Google um, it, cat tripping a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think so anyway, so I, I think they set up, again, the world of that. When they're in there, there is something about the black and white of it that I thought was really, really compelling and and, and I thought, again, it, it sucks you into that world, I thought, very, very quickly, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, the neighbors spraying the lawn and, and you really just get a sense of the world and, right away. And I, I kind of like the, that they're the insiders. I think that there's this sort of by his knowledge or, you know, that sort of obsession, as it were, that that, that he's able to kind of navigate the world oh, at sure. first anyway yeah. on its own terms. And I kind of thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, you have him like, oh, this is that episode, you know, yeah. so he kind of knows how to navigate that relationship, yeah. at least at the beginning. And then slowly kind of starts to develop this like and, and pretty quickly, actually. Mm-hmm. You know when he meet when when he meets uh, with Skip, um, but I just thought that's a really interesting way to sort of set it up, and you have a guy that can kind of guide her through the do's and don'ts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was really compelling and interesting as well.
1: Yeah, I like I like when you see the moment where he almost kind of embraces it, you know, with Mister Simpson. Oh yeah, Mister mm-hmm. Simpson. Oh yeah, my dad got a new Buick. Or yeah, yeah. It's like, and then he's like, for himself yeah. for that moment. He's Bud. Right, that's it. And he's happily, happily yeah, exactly. He's he's completely fine in this world, and then his sister kind of keeps him grounded in a a weird sort of way. It's like, well, this isn't actually, and he's like, well, let's just play it out for now. We'll just, you know, who are we going to talk to? Who's going to like nobody? So let's just, you know, let's just do this, and then we'll and we'll see what see what happens. So, and then I love the part, same sort of scene, and this is just it just sums up teenagers very well. And she's all upset because. She had a, a date back home mm-hmm. uh, and all this, and she missed it, and blah, 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 and they like, oh go, my God, and then Paul Walker, then Skip comes around, and she just totally <laughs> forgets about that, and now she has a new challenge, a new yes. goal, and she kind of swings around, does almost a 180. It's like, okay, all right, uh, I have something to do now, and she's sure. forgotten about her old life, at least briefly. And then and then introduced to her friends, I was like, oh, is this the best we can do? I was like, yeah, okay, I can work with this, sort of, you know. Just. That's right.
0: I, I could deal with that. I like that, too. And I yeah. also have to say, like, again, in terms of casting, Paul Walker as Skip, oh, perfect. I mean, gorgeous, yeah. right? Another, uh, just like I get Reese's response in that moment yeah. of oh, just yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is better. I, had this, I, can I had do the this. same like, response. Is- I had the same response. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, just a, a, another beautiful kid, and I, I also like a little bit of that. Again, setting up the world, and Toby's looking around. And they got the firefighter with the, with the cat. Again, the sort of setting up the world as being so innocent and basic, yeah. and then with that scene following up with with Skip kind of meets up with with uh, I can't remember Reese's character's name, but Mary Sue, uh, Mary Sue, yeah, yeah, and then seeing them uh, yeah. and and watching, as you said, Jennifer. Reese kind of get the look on her face that's like, okay. You know, I could do this. And and asking, you know, does he like me? Uh, And Toby kind of admitting, yeah, he does. Of course, he would know. (laughs) Yeah. And so now she's got, as you said, there's that little bit of carnality, you know, a little bit of that, like, mischievous kind of look in her eye. And you think, okay, well, this is now, clearly there's going to be, this is where some of that tension is going to come, right? Like, there's going to be some, she's going to try and break out of this 50s thing, and he's going to try and keep it contained. Yeah. And I kind of like that dynamic and they set it up again very early on. And I was impressed by it. What I thought was also really interesting was again, following that scene where you're dealing with the gym and gym class and everybody hitting all the baskets and everybody just being kind of perfection and Toby kind of being kind of silly with it almost. And just Mm -hmm. like, you know, throwing the the ball in, in different ways and it's always sinking. It's always going in. It's always going in. And it turns out that in the end, he is the one that kind of starts the first ripple.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. which
0: I thought was kind of fascinating because he's so yeah. at the first scene, he's so rigid about like, no, Marisu, we've got to do it this yeah. way.
1: Stick to the script, sort of. Stick to the script,
0: yeah. and and in an effort to stick to the script, he sort of tells Skip like, don't, you know, maybe don't ask her out. <laughs> and right away, yeah. instantaneously, the ball, you know, Skip is now just dis- just dis- dislocated. Like he's almost got a different pathway yeah and i thought that's really interesting and i thought conveyed by using the sort of sports basketball always goes in and everything's really perfect and they kind of call it back later on where it's like you can't win them all like we do we do win them all like that's yeah. <laughs> uh i think that there's sort of something kind of poetic even in in the way that that that's delivered i was really impressed by those early early scenes to really set it up
1: yeah you know me i need to get in there early and and it does a great job of that and and i think the basketball thing is a good choice uh, and it's uh, what I think is
0: is extra, you know, sort of compelling. Again, is is the fact that it is Toby that sort of does break the break the break the rift, and he tries to get it back. And, and I, I don't know that it's like irrevocable, but I think it's interesting that he's okay. he's the cause, at least of that first little break. And then when he, as a result of that, he runs late, you know, for, for work to yeah. meet up at, with his job at, at, at work. And this is where, you know, if, if there's like a a, a stealth performance in this movie that i i i didn't mm-hmm. remember um maybe uh, you know it's like william h macy i know is, is going to kill it yes and joan right. allen i know is going to kill it toby and reese at the time of 98 like i was like these guys know what's up i love toby in the ice storm um so like i just knew like the the big hitters let's say we're going to deliver but yeah. jeff daniels is an actor i think prior to this i probably only ever really knew dumb and dumber
1: and there's some and, sort of that. He plays a little bit of that in this. But. Oh, for sure. He's
0: got that sort of goofiness almost, right? Yeah. But there is something to his performance in this movie that I thought really solidified him as a real actor to me. Yeah. And I loved *Dumb and Dumber. But in watching this, he's... And and, and and in truth, looking back at the movie, having not really given it a ton of thought beyond my memory of it, like, you know, sort of like, oh, I remember this, this, and this. I just didn't remember him being so good. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I found him... Again, that sort of stealth performance in this one as the guy that I just loved his performance. And right away, I just thought there's a pathos to him. There's a sort of innocence, a naivete naivete," uh, in his performances that uh, that I just found completely engaging. And uh, this right away, I thought, oh, you're you're quietly stealing this movie every scene you're in in some ways. That's how I interpret it anyway.
1: I love Jeff Daniels. And this, yeah, this is a reminder. And I kind of forgot he was in it. Really remember the major players in this. But soon as, as mm-hmm. each of them popped up, it's like, oh, yeah, I okay, got Paul Walker. Oh, okay. Well, Macy, yeah. Uh, it all kind of came back to me. And you're right. I mean, Macy, I know this is perfect for him. This is right up his alley. Yeah. He's he's going to. Right pull, up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniels, there's something about his character. And he's under, he's how it's just, I think he's, he's definitely an underrated performance but it um and i think uh, read up uh if you read some reviews and what people say about this movie 80 percent of the time it's like jeff daniels jeff daniels jeff daniels and i've i've loved him in everything i he's just awesome and i love this character as well so not only does he play well i just like the type of character he's playing in general and uh right up from the first scene he was in to the last scene and he's not in it like a lot, a lot, but he's in a very, a few very key, key scenes uh, that really, you know, hit the mark. And yeah, I can't say enough about uh, about uh, JD, as I call him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good old JD. And,
0: uh, yeah, just, he's 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 great. Yeah, just from and the I, I, beginning,
1: I, like just from the scene that you were kind of alluding to about, I didn't know what to do. Like you, you, you normally do this, and I'm so I'm just wiping the counter down <laughs> until. The end, and that really sets up the movie as, as well, of course, and it has some fun with that in the first few scenes, which I like. Uh, up to him coming and in, in to his house to let him know that, hey, I did something different. Just wanted you to know, and then he and he kind of he kind of locks eyes with uh, with Alan.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I thought, it, you know, the idea that he's just sort of again standing there when we meet him, rubbing the counter, not knowing what to do whatsoever, and how it's worn down so much. He's just been doing it the whole time. That I just thought, again, a great introduction to not only the character, as you said, um, but also the, again, the the mode of the movie, right? Which is that everything is prescribed and everything is is one way and everything is, is specific. And if one thing doesn't happen, then the next thing can't happen and ripples down and from there. And I think that that one scene, again without making a meal out of it, tells you that, shows that to you. Mm-hmm. And again, these are all the sort of breadcrumbs to what the the narrative of the movie is going to be. And you see opportunities come and go throughout. And, and, and even, you know, I think even Bud kind of alludes to the fact, like, you know, if I'm not here, like, you can do those things without me. And that opens up something a little bit in his mind. Again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see it yet, right? But there's this, like, oh, shit, you know, there is something. Oh, you know, there is a world out there, you know, that, that that I thought was kind of interesting. And then we kind of get, you know, we get to see Reese really make a go of it. <laughs> uh, when it comes to sort of the sort of sexual aggression and lover's lane and and, and this kind of stuff. And, and, again, your first sort of, if, 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 Toby kind of broke the script at the beginning. Um, she really tears off that that bandaid, as it were, yeah. uh, and really makes it go. And I, I liked again Walker's sort of performance as the sort of stiff '50s guy. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unsure of what the heck is happening. Right? Not only is a woman being forward and being like aggressive and being um, what do you call it uh, assertive. It also leads to feelings of physicality that, that he's not familiar with and certainly not in 1950s television show. So mm. again, sets up a tone that um, I really liked and, and I like the sort of everybody around the, the way the sort of dolly, you know, behind the cars sort of reveals everyone kind of looking over, like, what is happening? You know, because everyone's kind of confused by it. But it does open up and that's kind of one of those things that I just love this movie does ever so gently throughout is drops these little like openings. Right, mind openings, uh, thought. You know, right? whether it's art, whether it's books, whether it's conversation, whether it's sex, whether it's music. It all just like, these openings that kind of happen in the brains, and and I, I thought really, really effective. And that kind of leads into sort of how you get to see some of those colors
1: mm-hmm.
0: changing, right? And just yeah. sort of beginning to sort of see the the changing of not only the characters but also some of the nature and the other pieces around them. And I thought a really fascinating way to to kind of begin that process, you know, to go from that black and white and what, what unlocking the colors kind of mean. And I, I thought this is that the early scenes of it really being really quite powerful to me.
1: Yeah, and what I liked too, like and dislike, is I liked, you know, that happens and things are starting to change colors. and But it's different for everyone. It's not just... I know some people, when I was reading up on the movie, whatever people think of it, they say, well, it's too much about the sex. And I didn't think that. And and then I I did some more reading. And, I mean, when you think about it, sex is, like, you know, very basic, but you know what I mean, a very primitive kind of thing. And it just opens up so many doors when it comes to, you know, sexuality and, and feelings, expression, that you can't really do all these other things without kind of getting to that. So. I don't. I didn't share that thought with that person. Like, that's too much about the sex. No, I thought that was. I think it was well done, and I like the fact that, you know, Jennifer Mary Sue was still in black and white. Even though Mm -hmm. they gave us kind of the idea, there's you see a few people with color. You get the idea that now they've had sex or they've done something they're really supposed to do sexually. Even Paul Walker's character hadn't changed color at that point either, which did confuse me a little bit because I thought, well, that would change him, not her. Uh, but obviously it's, you know, it's something more that would, uh, and I forget, I think he, I don't know what, at what point Paul Walker did. It seemed like it wasn't until the end. So that part did confuse me a little bit. I don't know how much of, you know, people of color and, and black, still in black and white, what triggered it, is how random is it? Because uh, it's not just people, it's, it's items. It's like, well, your, your front door, uh, Ralph, is blue. Well, it's always been blue, but now it's, you know, is he trying to like, I don't know what to tell you. It's always been blue. Like, yeah. I don't know, but what did I do? Uh, Yeah, exactly. I just, I'm just living here. Yeah. So, and it's it's funny how Toby, uh, you know, he he does initiate it, like you said, and then she just blows the doors off this thing (laughs) with with this this scene and, uh, you know, having. That relationship and that really starts gets the movie really going and I I do and this whole section of the movie is kind of that I I do want to ask because I mean like we see after that we see uh, a lollipop like that yeah Mary Sue has a lollipop and now it's red now is that because she sucks things and now that's red like I don't know like <laughs> throwing it out there. it's possible i suppose is there what about (laughs) i guess do you think things are just randomly oh let's just make this red this just uh let's put the clock a color and we'll do the door is it just random or do you think there's a reason for each item and then we have to watch it the movie 50 times to figure out each one i want your thoughts i
0: think that's interesting it's a good question i think ultimately the truth is i don't know but i think when i think about what the objects sort of tell you or the flowers right because that's the scene right there's the first real indication is skips looking out after he's had at least the makeout session he sees the with flowers. Mary Sue. Yes. he looks and sees the red rose right yes. kind of blooming there on, on the vine now there is something to me that says while he himself may not be turned yet because whatever that journey is hasn't been completed mm-hmm. there is something about the world is changing his yeah. view on the world is changing and and his experience sort of dictates. And now to your point earlier as well, during the sort of montage of of colors and, and, and evolutions and so forth, I do think it is interesting. You have to, sex is like the biggest transition point, right? In terms of a kid mm-hmm. going from, from childhood to adolescence, you know, it's, it's such really a big it. threshold. Um, it changes the game, right? and in, in, in so many ways, it changes attitudes, it changes personalities, it changes physicalities, it changes everything. So I think that this movie, to sort of demean it in some ways by saying, well, it's all about the sex, I don't think that that's true. I don't think this movie tells you that. I think there are a number of scenes that have to, to me, tell you that it's that important Mm -hmm. in that transitionary period. But it isn't the only thing. Otherwise, everybody would turn color immediately, right? So I do think the movie plays with it. I think it has to be in there, and I don't think it's overused. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. But in in terms of the colors, I do think it's just an evolution of, as we said earlier, the things ripple, You know, and so like once you see things, you can't unsee them. And Toby kind of talks about that a little later on in a a scene with his dad where he talks about like, you know, people change. And then he asks, you know, do they change back? And Toby, Toby, (laughs) it's not as easy as like, it's not very easy. And the fact is, once you've experienced it, this is, I think, why, uh, you know, abstinence uh, really works better before you've had sex uh, than after. Because I think that there's a level that says, "Oh, I've already I've, i i've opened up this, mm-hmm. you know, this world, and I don't want to go back on some level, you know, or I've experienced <laughs> <so>. this thing, <laughs> and I don't necessarily want to kind of revert back, you know, I've seen things now, not just sexually, just in general, right? I don't want to go kind of live in the world where I didn't see them before, so." Uh, that's how I interpreted the colors that pop up. I think the world is changing because more information, let's say, mm-hmm. is getting through and more experience is getting through the entire yeah. town of Pleasantville. I like that. And that's kind of how I interpret it.
1: I think the movie is layered very well. Yeah. I don't know how best to explain it. I just, that's the impression I got when, how the colors, it's not affecting me yet. And then we get to the, the level where, okay, now it's affecting me. Right. Yes. I don't, I don't want, like the mayor and all the guys who don't want these changes and they, yep. they don't really do too much about it early on because it's not really affecting them. But once as we get through it, as it starts affecting and I think once we talk about Macy, that's really kind of where it hits. And it's like, oh, cool. And now it's affecting, uh, you know, people even though you don't. So, yeah, it's. I think it's just really well layered. I can't think of a better way to say it or explain it, but it does a really good job of that. Uh, throughout the the movie uh, of what they're doing now there's a few things I don't quite like With I think it was too heavy handed in my opinion but in general you know like 95% of it I just think they did a really good job with uh, the choices they're making to kind of display even though I'm not sure that that they're random or not but how you just explained it it makes sense that that, you know that it's just uh, people are getting more information and, and their views are slowly changing though that person hasn't hasn't Completed their journey, like you said, and that's why they yeah. haven't changed. But there are, you know, parts of the world are changing. So it's interesting how they they mix that up, which is really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think about it just in terms of as I'm working this out in my, in my head, I do kind of remember during that sort of montagey scenes where you know you see the display for the king bed, right, or or something. Mm-hmm. I think there is a you know, and that itself is, I believe, and still in black and white, right? It's just that the idea of a king bed now is in the world you know that this this that the that that parents or adults or whomever will share a bed together you know as opposed to the sort of 50s thing where you couldn't show two people in bed at the same time and always had to have one foot on the ground if they were you know it's strange sort of you know rules to sort of not ever indicate that there are any sexual experiences happening so i think mm. you get to see that the king bed is now entering their world even if it isn't In full-blown color and things like that. So, again, I think you're right in terms of how it's layering these things. And you see things like the basketball team now is crumbling because now there's distractions. You know, now there's there's priorities have changed. And the Mm -hmm. world is, you know, there's now books to read or women to to kiss or you know whatever the case you're there's all these different kind of experiences that are getting in not in the way but expanding the brain so it's like all they did before was play basketball and now there's alternatives and everyone wants to get up to lover's lake and things like that so i I think all of those things help again ground the 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 pleasantville the fake pleasantville Mm -hmm. gets more and more grounded as these things kind of happen again i think you're right in terms of how it's layered i think it's excellent and i think ultimately It's sort of proof later in the next, even the next scene where you know Jeff Bridges, when Toby shows up and 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 Jeff Bridges just is broken. He's just like, What's the sorry, Jeff Daniels, (laughs) not Jeff Bridges, he is broken. (laughs) I'm broken. Uh, Jeff Daniels is sort of slumped over, you know, in, in this sort of real existential crisis of you know, it's all the same, yeah, what does it matter? you know, all, all I want to do is paint and, and all I do is this why? I, I, who said I had to or like what's the and I, I think again for a, a movie that is struggling or not struggling, it, it, it's trying to define some of that existential thought uh, I think that that's a great scene of showing the limitations of a single duty, you know, and, and, and Toby doesn't have a good answer for him, right? He just says well sometimes you do things you don't want to do you know, you don't you work a place where you don't want to work, and I think we can all take a page out of mm-hmm. well, why? <laughs> why do we have to do that? You know, and, and and for a lot of reasons. Don't get me wrong. There's 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 certainly financial, but I think that Toby doesn't have a good answer for for Jeff Daniels' question, which is why, if all I do and all I think about is art, and all I want to do is paint, why am I just slinging burgers every day in my life? Yeah. and I think that's a powerful scene. Again, this Jeff, Jeff Daniels is really. Steals it, and I think this is beautifully executed. Certainly, beautifully performed mm-hmm. uh, scene that really answers or asks those kind of questions, like why? What is the point of doing this shitty job? Because people need when, their
1: burgers. Like, people need their burgers. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but there might be people that could find happiness and passion in doing that job. I like to serve people, or I like to interact, mm-hmm. or I'm uh, you know, love meat. Whereas. Yeah. I love meat, you know, but he doesn't seem to possess any of that, right? Yeah. This is just sort of where he's been written and how he'll how he'll stay. And I think you know, and there's something about and I I thought about this, I thought about uh, almost famous actually when watching these this movie at various points. And one of the things that sticks out to me in this movie as as well as as almost famous obviously, which is art is so powerful and so meaningful mm-hmm. and so directly responsible for so many emotions and feelings and and yeah. lived experiences and so forth that and this movie i think tells that story so well and and in particular with jeff daniels where the awakening is art right and, and whether it's books later uh, coming to life you know in terms of you know they're blank before and now they're written whether it's music songs like rave on which is just about like rebellion and and it's not just like quietly right it's rock and roll It's Bebop-a-lula. it's you know, uh, it's from jazz. You know, introducing this sort of the. You know, we talk about jazz a lot with with towns of Ripley. You know, in the in the archives, but just this like free flowing music that doesn't have constraints and doesn't have right in the the restaurant or the diner is sort of teething with these with these music and paintings. And again, there's this sort of through line of this movie that like art expands the brain and and opens the mind and changes the world. And as a person that's really been a fan of those things for, you know, uh, such a fan of music and books and, and, and movies and television, obviously um, it speaks to me in watching the power of that. Uh, and f- because I fully subscribe in the, in the, in the belief that, that it, it has that power. This movie I thought does a really excellent job of putting that in perspective and watching Jeff Daniels without his art right now, having been awoken by it uh, being feeling empty without it uh, is something I, I can appreciate for sure.
1: I like what well, the trifecta of this movie is books, so knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have art, like expression, mm-hmm. and then the physical side of things. with the, physio- the mm-hmm. I think that's just a, and it's pretty accurate. Those are three things that, you know, and that's what the town doesn't want or the, you know, <laughs> the mayor anyways. Yeah. Uh, those are the three kind of things that are getting people to think uh, and, and seeing that their perspectives are changing. And that's why it obviously leads to later scenes in regards to, you know, what happens. And that's just, I think, and art's just a great, uh, you know, display of that. Just as much as you can't, it's just not knowledge. It's not just this. It's it's all of it together. And I think the movie does a really good job of, you know, doing all three equally, I think, yeah. to the, for yeah. the most part. Because you have Mary Sue who's, you know, learning to starting to read the books. You have uh, Daniel's doing the art. And then we'll get to, you know, Bud's transformation, if you will. And then, of course, the mom Certainly. is a big one. Uh, you yeah know, we're getting to that soon yeah know? there's yeah there's a lot of transformations here and it doesn't spend too much time on any of them and i think bud probably gets the ironically the least amount of time kind of spent on him when it comes mm-hmm. to his transformation but it still has you know it's still viable and it's still, it still it, it does the trick so again this movie just does a really good job of, of setting things up uh, and using those to to kind of uh, push it forward the the movie
0: yeah I agree. And then, I mean, now we get the sort of first real like lead character change mm-hmm. in the next scene where, where, where and I thought this is kind of delivered, you know, it's again, it's a bit hokey maybe, but how uh, Joan Allen is asking Reese to sort of explain <laughs> to her what happens. The and I thought this is really cute scenes. Yeah. And, yeah. and where Reese kind That's of gives funny. her the birds and the bees talk.
1: That's funny.
0: But the way Joan Allen performs Betty, uh, yeah. the way that she plays this scene, and she's just one of my favorite actors. She's just she's so really good, been, yeah. Um yeah, perfect. We for the, loved her the, in, in the ice storm. Yeah, she and was perfect. in the ice storm. That's so what I thought.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, she's so good in that movie too. But in this one where she's asking the questions and where Reese kind of just like sloughs it off and she just comes back with such earnestness of no, I want to know. Like you have to tell me. Like I, I, I can't. Yeah, I'm curious. Again, I've been repressed for too long. You know, I need to know. I need to know. Yeah. And Reese sort of is saying, frankly, that that you can masturbate. Yeah. is such a uh, a foreign world right to this woman in her 40s you know or and oh yeah and the scene in the bath is it's i thought shot beautifully you know it's nothing too uh you know it doesn't leer you know or anything like that i thought it's really kind of subtle and powerful and i love i mean it's again we're talking about a little heavy-handed in some of the imagery you know certainly you know, the orgasm leading to the tree, you know, burning, uh, you know, maybe it's a little over overdone. But I thought pretty powerful uh, definition of of what happened uh, and, and this woman sort of becoming aware, uh, I thought was really, really powerful, powerful scene.
1: I think the director took that opportunity to say, well, I need to get fire involved somehow. Yeah, here's an opportunity <laughs> sure. to do it, I guess. I mean, it doesn't really make sense. But, you know, it gets us to, to the next scene, which is really funny when Toby goes to the fire place, station and says right. uh, fire and no one's responding. And then cat. I think mean, that's just hilarious. Yeah. Do firemen t- really still rescue cats? Is that still a thing? I, mean, I, I don't know.
0: I haven't had a cat for a while and, and, and uh,
1: I, I don't Because I, I, know. I know, I just know that from like history. I know that was a thing. Uh, it wasn't like this is sure. not new to me. I see, you know, like, oh yeah, that's what they used to do. Uh,
0: is it, it, but here's the question. Is it history, history, or is it television history?
1: Because I only ever
0: associated that with television because that's just the world you grew up in, right? So Mm. our perception of... Of what was real, I think, in my experience anyway, is stuff in the 50s. Yeah. Or stuff on television. Oh, it's like whatever I watched in a movie, is, it tells me what I, you know. Yeah. So I think that that's, I don't know the answer. I just mean, I think that that's sort of maybe part of where that sort of perception of television is. Mm. You sort of believe it because it's it's there. Yeah. And I agree. I, I love that scene. I think it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a joke kind of scene, but I thought really, really uh, effective and really yeah. funny. Yeah. And watching a- Toby take control and be, you know, be a firefighter and get his sort of yeah. pendant. Yeah, um, earned it. <laughs> but what I think is interesting, we talked about a little earlier, is the sort of the knowledge piece and, like, the books and stuff like that. Because now the library becomes, like, the hotspot, right? Yeah. It's it's, it's a Lover's Lane as well. But that lineup, you know, of people going to the library and yeah. Reese kind of admitting that she didn't know what she, – she hadn't read it. And so she's like, what, did, what what? you know, the book's kind of becoming alive a little bit, uh, yeah. I thought was really, again, really interesting Use of that, that sort of knowledge is liberating, you know, with, yeah. with, with knowledge and with reading, you know, you expand your, your brain, your vocabulary, your experiences, you know, wanting to know about Huckleberry Finn and, and later Chatterley's lover, you know, these kinds of things it's like, well, this is experience, you know, you yeah. may not have been able to see a see, sail on the sea, but you can tell the story, you know what I mean? It's not, you know, I don't have to be stranded on an island with my family to know what Swiss family Robinson means, you know, Uh, you know, I can read the book and I get it, you know? So anyway, there's something kind of powerful about that. I really
1: like, I think, and again, I don't know why I think they don't focus too much on one of these elements, you know, it's like, okay, this, the sex thing just kind of gets the ball rolling. And then the, the book thing even seems like a bigger thing. You have these guys asking questions and, and they're so inquisitive and this is where it falls off the rails really for, for Toby's character is he just roads uh he yes. can, he's talking about the roads and those those there's there's more on the other roads uh it's not just a road that ends and that's where he can't keep it together he's got to just join them and, and just let it off cuz he can't at this point he can't contain it this world that yeah. he tried to contain at the beginning, he's he's completely given up at this point, the whole road scene where he's in the, the restaurant, and Reese can't handle the crowd, so they have a question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. and then he explains it, and he just, yeah, there's more, and I, I'm telling you now, and then he can't hold back anymore, and that really just kind of takes us to uh, the next few scenes, where him and Daniels kind of really work together, and really uh, take the art and all that to the next level, so there's a lot of things kind of happening around then, with each of the characters, uh, as we see, we've, we've had the mom, one, th- one scene about the mom, since we kind of talked about her change, her transformation, mm-hmm. if you will, is the makeup part. Now, Yes Logistically stupid <laughs> But very symbolic <laughs> yeah, like It's a good like It's not bad I was say it's bad it's Just logistically You're not going to find The right shade And you don't have You know He's waiting for four hours For his dinner That's going to take a while to, to do that But I like sure. But I like what it represents It's very This movie is very Symbolic Very heavy On the yes. symbols I, Yes Almost too much A little bit Sometimes I think But not Too much To a glaring fault But anyways And Toby's Not at the point where he can say, it's okay. Go out there. You know That's not where we're at yet. And then again, this movie, how it progresses, how it's layered, it's just no. Uh, It's okay. Well, for now, this is what we're going to do. And it's great. It's a a great scene.
0: Yeah, I thought it's a beautiful scene. I thought the same. I think that she's kind of hiding and doesn't know what to do with herself. And Toby kind of handles that scene beautifully. There's this really kind of beautiful Mm mother-daughter scene or mother-son scene, which obviously echoes – his lack of a scene with his mother in real life, right? Like in, yeah. in, the, in the opening part, right? There's no communication really between them at all. She's pacing around, screaming at her husband, so on and so forth, her ex. And Toby's lost to the television. So th- I thought it's a really beautiful, kind of powerful moment between the two. I do I think, I don't know about logistically stupid, but definitely there is this sort of, I want to I want to hide, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that gives her an arc a little bit later too, where, where, where maybe she changes her mind. But there is this sort mm-hmm. of, I can't go out there like that. He can't see me like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something kind of powerfully kind of really potent of in that statement. And I thought that quiet scene between the two, I yeah. thought her beautiful yeah. um, and, and, and really well performed. Again, I just think her kind of panic and nervous and his sort of quiet understanding, you know, when he started looking at her and like, yeah, you're okay. It's okay. It's going to yeah. be fine. You know, I thought really, really powerful. Like you said, he's not yet at the point where he's just like, let's kick in the doors and let's, <laughs> you know, r- shake things up, right? He's still in that, like, let's preserve – you know, let's preserve Pleasantville as best we can. And I I do think, because that leads into the next scene that I have, which is the lover, him going up to lover's lane uh, with with his girlfriend. And any time, you know, basically from that time on, um, you know, from when I first saw the movie and beyond, it was always to me about, if anybody had ever asked me what love was or felt like, I often would would equate it to this scene, which is transitioning from color, sorry, from black and white to color. It felt and and, and, and Edda James singing At last. To me, it's like this scene, just that one little forty-five seconds of him fumbling with the radio, the cherry blossoms blowing in the wind, mm-hmm. him driving up in his car while Edda James sings At Last, My Love Has Come Around, and the car transitions to color and lover's lane is now color. I just think that to me for years is like what love feels like it, the equivalent of that. Um, I, it's my favorite scene in the movie. I, I just Really? Love. Uh, it doesn't even matter about dialogue. I just think like this one shot is fills me with the feeling of love. I, I, I think it's so, so incredible.
1: I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm dead inside. Okay. What can I tell you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's Okay. Um, but for me, I, it just changes everything to me. I, I just think that's just a beautiful thing. And again, it's it's my go-to when, when I think if ever I was to have to describe love, that's what it felt like going from black and white to color. Uh, I yeah. thought this movie really does that really well.
1: I think at that point I kind of just – it just I already kind of accepted that and therefore I just sure. didn't, didn't hit home as much because that's kind of where I, I, we've got inklings of that kind of throughout the the first bit of the movie. So I was really happy for, for David, you know, for Bud. Sure, Don't yeah. get me wrong. But I was more – for whatever reason i was really into the rain the rain scene
0: yeah that's yeah that's that's fair yeah
1: i don't i don't know what it was but i think i think at that point the music starts to get in there a little bit uh to kind of take us to a new level and i just yeah. thought it was just i don't know it's something about that scene uh but the rain yeah no it it's a great scene do you want to though?
0: talk a little bit about the score uh just in touching because it's a randy newman score who did a lot of the pixar movies
1: yeah um I do want to touch on and it. And it's
0: one of my all-time favorite scores. Uh, I have the uh, – probably since 2000, I've had on my MP3 players, slash iPod slash phone, whatever the case, uh, on the rotation is the Pleasantville suite, they call it. It's eight, mm-hmm. and a half, eight, eight minutes and like six seconds, and it's all the themes of the movie. And it is, to me, just an exceptional piece of, of work, and I thought so connected – directly to the tone and the scenes of the movie that uh, I often get them. You know, I can't think of one without, without the other. And the rain scene is a perfect example of those marrying really, really beautifully.
1: I believe it impacted me more my first watch. I don't know why I think that, cause I don't recall much, but then this movie, the, the sound, the music's pretty dormant for the, for a while. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really kick in uh, till that around this time actually is where it starts to kick in. And I love the music. I do. I think There was one scene Where I felt Almost like the music Was too good for the scene And then the scene Hasn't okay. yet earned That melody yet Because I love the melody I love okay. the tune I love it It's just it's yeah. really It moves me And so yeah. But when I just remember One scene where it's, It didn't quite It's like Oh I love this melody But I'm not there The, the movie it doesn't have me there yet And maybe I'm just A little slow That's very possible Sure uh, but my second viewing, I think like, cause I watched it a couple of times, I was able to connect to it more. So either way I look at it, I love the score. Uh, yes. I just, I just wasn't where I needed to be to appreciate it. But then it kind of almost, I don't want to say forced me, but it kind of made me kind of like, you know, cause it's so good. So even if you're mm-hmm. not really, you know, f- you know, like all that, as I kind of said earlier, it's like, well, I know what's going to happen. I know what the movie's sure. trying to do. This is, I get it. I think that's where the struggle is with the music because I already know all that. So I think that's why I'm thinking back to me really liking it. The first watch back in 2000 where this mm-hmm. having that predictability of what's what they're doing and what's happening. It didn't really allow me that to sink for me, but I, I still love the, I still love the score. Regard, regardless. Sure. But even the later scenes, once I was back into it and, and it kinda caught me up, I was right back to saying, Oh, this is awesome. You know, we're in front of the in yeah. front of the uh, the mural. Like the painting. Oh gosh, yeah. And that's just, you know, it has me basically in, in tears at that point. It's a little more it's a little more subtle the first couple of times, like with the rain. It's not so so heavy, like it's not really hitting, you know, those high notes yeah. with that with that, but then it does and like, oh man, that's just perfect and that's really in the whole movie there's no real other other than a little bit of jukebox really there's not yeah. really out, out much else to it you know it's pretty absent in a, in a lot of the scenes i think if correct me if i'm wrong but until we get to those yeah those great scores
0: yeah i think ultimately there's there's a number of themes throughout um you know that play undercurrent you know uh they don't necessarily kind of over
1: yeah i mean it's just very uh, subtle over,
0: yeah, I mean ultimately that's what you hope for a score, right? And then when you get to the rousing moments of like the rain scene or the mural scene and things like that, right? You have an opportunity to kind of showcase and 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 frankly manipulate the audience with the score and with the pieces all kind of coming together. So I do think that it's probably there more than you think it is, but it's the fact that you don't think it is is probably a good a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like cuz it's not about the score, it's just about an accenting, you know, you want to accent the the scenes with yeah. it. And mm-hmm. I thought that's what this, I thought, does. But when it hits, I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And then, you know, the rain leads to, you know, Toby. They kind of steal uh, John Lindley, uh, who shot the movie, who's we've talked a little bit about because he shot um, – he worked with Phil Alden Robinson. Um, so he, he also he shot The Sum of All Fears, uh, which we've talked about in mm-hmm. our archives. And a very kind of talented <clears> – <throat> excuse me, a very talented uh, cinematographer. Again, if you're looking at this movie, it just looks – just beautiful. Um, yes. Again, the, you know, he shot Field of Dreams and he's basically worked with Phil Alden Robinson a lot. Um, just gorgeous, gorgeous shots and the way it's presented. And as I said, that, that at last sequence up at Lover's Lane, it really does it for me all the time. So, uh, but that scene he, t- he jokes about how he kind of ripped off the Shawshank Redemption with the overhead. <laughs> um, Toby standing in the rain, arms outstretched and the, and the crane uh-huh. up, you know, so forth. Um He kind of ripped that off from from, uh, Shawshank, uh, he was saying, but... um, It takes big band to... Which, (laughs) coincidentally, when I first saw the movie, that's exactly... I thought, well, that's like the Shawshank shot. Oh, watch the trailer if you haven't seen the movie because you can can sort of see it. It's it's pretty much identical. But the rain kind of leads to, like you were saying earlier, like William H. Macy, now he comes home and meal's not ready for him. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He's, like you said, right? The world has not affected him yet. You know, he's kind of blindly going by he yeah. and J.T. Walsh we, we talked a little bit about with a few good men uh, as Markinson who's so good in everything he does um, you know uh, as playing the kind of mayor of the town
1: mm-hmm.
0: now all of a sudden it's affecting them you know his yeah. meal wasn't ready can you believe it the rain you know <laughs> we're soaking in, uh, right there's all this sort of stuff that we've kind of predisp- predisposed that the, the men get taken care of and what you know what's happening and I thought that's a great scene and very low angle shots of like the sort of the 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 patriarchy kind of controlling the strings, you know, certainly uh, you know a, a fight that that still rages today, you know, uh, ultimately, you know, um, but I thought again, a really kind of a, a fascinating kind of scene where you're throwing all the men into a stupor and and, and that <laughs> great line of uh, you know, thank goodness we're in a bowling alley <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, but I think about it, like it's a this is a bunch of men kind of getting together to make decisions based you know for everybody else and i kind of think well sadly this is this is the way many many decisions are made even still Uh, you know you know they're
1: missing you know they're what they who they needed for that little rally al bundy (laughs) yeah (laughs) no ma'am no man if it ended with a wool bundy that'd be fantastic (laughs) but I, I, I do I think again the editing and we uh, just touched on Stephen McGarvey it it does, it does a good job of, uh, to get us to where we need to be and then uh, you know and I think Macy I mean I love I love those scenes where <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he's like you know repeating himself and he doesn't know what to do and that, and that's fantastic it's just it's it's just yeah. perfectly perfectly executed script wise and performance wise. Uh, and everything that he does, and you know, and he's really not in it a lot up to this, until this point, really. You know, he's he shows no. up here and there, but this is really, where he, this is yeah. his, this is his time. This is his character. And now it doesn't, he doesn't transform at this point in time. That's that's obviously later, but this is where he is affected, and it's his world now. And they're they're talking about that, and we really see the true colors, if you will, of the mayor. And I mean, his job. Yeah is to keep order. I mean, that's the job of a mayor, right? Is to keep order For sure. of the town and he's trying to do that and you know, and no one and again one of the big themes of this movie it's again glaring is people fear change. It, yep. It's it's a it's a big issue and it's it'll always be an issue. That's never change a little bit, tweak here and there, but ultimately I don't really see that going away anytime soon, unfortunately. Even if we don't no. realize it, it's an unconscious thing that we 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 have to deal with uh, in our everyday lives. So yeah. it's again, this is a very theme heavy heavy movie.
0: Yeah, it's very relevant. I mean, ultimately, that's you know that's why Jeff Daniels doesn't can't leave his job in some ways, right? It's like I do you know, he's like I want to change, but he doesn't know how to, right? Yeah, and, and obviously, all of the white men in the in the bowling alley are struggling to. Hold on to the thing And I like this movie doesn't really set up A bad guy You know Because again You can kind of appreciate Where a JT Walsh And a Bill Macy Are coming from Right Which is to say This is the way it's been done Yeah It certainly benefits us You know This structure Right Like my wife has food Ready for me After a long day at work Why change it Mm -hmm. Uh, Despite the fact That it represses Everybody around them Mm -hmm. You know And again I don't think That that's conscious Entirely And they have That great scene Soon after Where Where Macy is, is Kind of compelling betty to go to this meeting right like the, yeah. this you know yeah. oh you can just put on some makeup it'll go away honey it'll, don't worry about it it'll go away and she just sort of defiantly says like i don't want it to right like I, again i've seen things now i don't want to go
1: back she does a great um, job right there too that's very, so good yeah and uh she's and, so good <laughs> and he tries to put he tries to put his foot down but again it doesn't work but yeah, it doesn't work because that's not his character either Right, exactly. That's, so he's not that kind of angry, you know. He's like, no, it's he's just he's used to routine. He's a, he's just a guy yeah. who has a routine, for better for worse. Yeah. And this and now he doesn't know. And he had that look on his face at several occasions where he doesn't know what to do. he's <laughs> yeah, completely he's blank. Right, he's like yeah. got this
0: complete ambivalence of uh, well, what I don't know what. And and that's why Bill Macy is perfect casting yeah. because his face can do that uh yeah. rather easily <laughs> you know there it's like his natural default and, and not because he's he's a blank actor he's just no. that in command where he can give you that kind of performance and i i think he's perfect and that's a great example sure. of why
1: you know the first movie i saw him in was fargo <laughs> oh
0: it, absolutely yeah absolutely where he plays that kind of vacant uh, kind of guy just a
1: bumbling and, oh my god yeah it was, it was hilarious It was a great movie but oh, it's so good he's so good uh, but yeah, that gets and us right, right, right in the mix of it now, where really things are are really kind of escalating. I guess you'd say right between now, you really kind of get that sense of of divide between well, yeah. y- which is kind of weird, you know, you know the coloreds or you know. Yeah. Which, uh, this is the point. This is where I, I don't think this part was necessary, and I'll kind of want your your opinion. Where eh, uh, where there's place, there's shops, you know, and it says no no yep. coloreds, right? Can, yep. they don't they don't want and i thought that that was a little too much for me but i don't know what your thoughts on in regards to that i, I think, think was,
0: again i mean it's obviously on the nose yeah right? it's a little
1: too on the nose for me but you
0: but know. i think i think it's i mean i think it has to be there i had no problem with it personally i think mm-hmm. it's sort of by it does take the sort of subtext and make it text right by by sort of having such a specific callback to the 50s you know where yeah. we're where, Black people weren't allowed at the soda counters and things like that, right? So, I mean, there is a bit of that. There's also like the heckling, right? They're they're, they're calling out Bud's colored girlfriend, you yeah. know, yeah. and no colors yeah. allowed, and and obviously when they're when they're kind of making the move on on Joan Allen a little later, right? So there is. It's obviously now kind of becoming this strife between black and white people and colored people, and and that dynamic. So I think you have to get there because that is really the escalation point.
1: Yeah, Yeah, um, I think we're just already there without that. I think. Yeah, I I agree. It is a little,
0: a little, a little specific. Let's say it's a little, little direct.
1: Um, In case you didn't know, this is what yeah comparisons we're making. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. you don't quite. I get you. It is, it is a bit, it is a bit on the nose for sure, for sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, not enough to take. But I think it's really, it's got to be there. But I I agree, it is a little on the nose. Uh, What I think is really powerful, and this is a scene where. I mean, I get a feeling, and I had it when I first watched it all those years ago, and I, I get it again. The destruction, the rioting that sort of is occurring right after, where they've now sort of destroyed Jeff Daniels' portrait of Betty that was in there as being yeah. filth. You, know, They destroy the diner. They're throwing benches in. They're just destroying, you know, and they're burning books. And there's just something, again, about the... The removal or the erasure of art you know and, and again burning books that 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 stuff happened man like yeah, banning banning words and ideas and yeah. uh it's 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 fucking heartbreaking to me I, honestly like it really mm-hmm. really affects me to see that the visceral nature of that and i thought mm-hmm. this movie conveys that sequence incredibly powerfully and uh it's just a beautiful scene it's hauntingly shot but really, really powerful. I don't know if you had any thought on that.
1: I almost thought it was a little heavy-handed, but uh, but okay, uh, I decided to, uh, on because I kind of went back and forth on it. But I think I'm. I, I think it needs to be again, kind of like what you just said about the previous stuff. I think it, it needs to be there as well. But at the same token, you don't when you have everyone as they're changing into colors. You, you are just seeing all the positive. Of mm-hmm. of free will and expression, you never really because we're kind of talking about negative rights and stuff like the violence, I guess, if you will, yeah. of it all. You don't really see the other side of it, where once you have all this free will, it'd be like, oh, what what would it be like to to do this? And there, it's all positive things, but you ne- they never really tackle, oh, what would be, oh, to uh, kill somebody, <laughs> you know, like was, sure. you know, not to go too dark, but they don't really show that side of 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 the movie or of the of anything that they're going kind to of give the impression that free will is all fun and uh, uh, like it's all good. We're really if you look at it it's not that great and there is a I mean this this movie it's a great question. It's a great what would you prefer? Something that's you know the black and white side of it or the colors like what side would you like where you see the black and white side but you don't really see all of the other side. You don't see all the bad stuff that comes with free will and stuff. And the movie never really tackles that. I know that's not really necessarily what they obviously want to show, but I think it just—it's something that's worth kind of bringing up. Where, you know, we have a lot sure. of free will, and there's a lot of violence, a lot of senseless, meaningless violence in our world today because we've gone maybe too far on the color side of things, and maybe we need to kind of phone it back a little bit to the black and white. Maybe I don't know. Just throwing that out there, Phil. Sure,
0: but. I could not agree uh, disagree with you more. Uh, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think that ultimately what the the danger, as it were, that they're presenting or the way in which they handle it, I think, is the consequence of free will or, or, or that sort of belief system, let's say, is that there will be people trying to tell you how to run your life mm-hmm. because they don't trust you to, to make the right decisions. So it's not dissimilar to, frankly, the current <laughs> climate around abortion and so forth. Right. It's yeah. it's it's the belief system that says well, I know what's better for you than you do, so I'm going to mm-hmm. run. I'm going to attack you. You know, mm-hmm. I, you're going to be the the you know quote unquote colored girlfriend across the street. That offends me. I don't agree with it, so I will assault you because mm-hmm. I'm more important than you are. Except it's not. So it isn't necessarily as one or the other. I, I think that that you either have the choice or you don't, and the choice. For better or for worse, has a consequence that it might mm-hmm. offend other people around you to wear red lipstick because they only want to see gray lipstick. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna dictate, shouldn't have to dictate my choice of lipstick because these guys over here don't like it. You know, I wanna to go to work as a woman, I wanna to go to work. And I it shouldn't be enough that my husband wants to have a meal at six o'clock that I don't go to work,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: So it, I think it does show some of the negative effects of having that choice in free will. It's that the negative effects are presented from the other side that says, don't have it. I, mm-hmm. I don't allow you to. I take it back. And I think that that is far more criminal than... I mean, people choose to kill people. Obviously, that's not good. I'm not advocating <laughs> that. It's not a plot that this movie needs to touch on, I don't think. Yeah. Like, it's obviously not a piece of the, of the puzzle. And mm-hmm. free will... I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people kill people, right? And, and the sort of the violence that happens. But I think a lot of that is the – I mean, ultimately, this movie presents it as the black and whites are enacting the violence against the, quote-unquote, colored people mm-hmm. because they don't agree with them. Yeah. There's no other reason than that. So it's, so to, to lean on that side of things, well, they're the ones that are enacting the violence the other people are just kind of trying to live their lives, just trying to be true yeah. to themselves, right? They're painting their art, right? Well, I don't agree with a naked woman body, so I'm going to destroy your art. I'm going to destroy your diner. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me at all, and I, I will never accept, you know, that 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 art in that capacity or anything else really should be discriminated by the fact that somebody doesn't want to see a nipple, right? Like this doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me, and so, um, and I love the fact that that, that after the diner is so destruct destroyed. That the de- the decision is to go and paint the mural, which is sort of enacting the entirety of the movie up until that point. If you look at all the sort of pieces of it, right, it sort of tells you the story of this city going from color, or sorry, black and white to color. And I thought, really, again, just a powerful image. It's 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 permanent on some level. You'd have to blow the wall down. There's a certain uh, permanence to it that I, I just love. So everything about that, those last scenes, I, I just think are so powerful and so. Hit so so deeply to me. I, I just love it. And even uh, as I said earlier, when they're in the trying to kind of coordinate their day or or their like you know reckoning with the choices now that they have to make, right, with the the, the meeting that that came about that the censorship that has to happen in the city, mm-hmm. and they play they play rave on again this this Buddy Holly song that is just it's 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 like teenage angst and. It's a crazy feeling and I I can't control myself. You know, there's this feeling of I'm tired of being repressed. Um, it's sort of a teenage anthem from, from Buddy Holly. And, and I think it's a perfect choice of song for that feeling in its era appropriate and so on. Um, so I just think all of those things are so powerful to me that I wouldn't want to change anything about it. And, and with Free Will, you know, it comes you're going to piss some people off. But I, I think it's more important to have it than to lose it.
1: Oh, I would 100% agree. I mean, some things today are are so frustrating. Interesting subject, and this movie does do a really good job of of tackling it, uh, the, those issues. And it's just it's interesting to see the movie. You know, and I like that scene that you just kind of alluded to. Is you know, and you have the one woman when they're reading off the list of what you can do, and it sounds starts off okay. Yeah, okay, sure. We, like and it's very political. Oh, we, we we want everyone to get along. All right, that's be yeah. clear, and that's like soul politics, right? It's like yeah, mm-hmm, we're not mm-hmm. you know looking for trouble. Then we can all make it work, and then it gets into the well. You can't do this, you can't do that, and Once then you have to start. Yeah, yeah, and then you have that one character who's like, oh, that's not so bad. And then mm-hmm. Buddy goes and plugs in the jukebox, and it's like, oh wait, no, you can't do that anymore. And yeah. I thought that's so good because yeah. there is that person right, and I feel like I'm sometimes that person where I just want to get along, like I don't sure. want. And, and Jeff Daniels' character does it really well throughout the whole movie too. Or maybe yeah, that scene you know in the
0: courtroom later too. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, and then the, that's kind of you know I can see that and, and you know it's very relatable and it's it's a very very good scene. They they make some really good choices. It's interesting to watch this movie because it's like wow, this is you know still definitely really relevant today, and we we still have this a lot of the same problems. Yeah. And it, this movie kind of transports the fifties into the and it skips the sixties into the seventies because then you have the this, the, the whole seventies right with the hippies and you know i don't want to work i don't want to do like what my parents, you know that what, what we kind of saw in the graduate right Sure, so that, yep. the, this movie kind of puts it you know skips the 60s like, what these two characters do is kind of just you know sum it all get it all done in a in a few days what it, what it yeah. took 20, 20 years to do in real life sort of thing it kind of compacts it uh, in in these few days but I think all the scenes, and it's the scene where I don't, know, I don't even like saying the word Whitey. I, I hate that name. It's sure. a terrible, it's a terrible yeah, yeah, name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the With the cookies and like, oh, well, you can. But that's his name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can make bring over cookies any time. And I think that scene it's a little uncomfortable, but I think it's definitely yeah. a, a scene that needs to be in there. And then the scene with 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 the mom, you know, and all the guys kind of oh, surrounding yeah. her, and like, oh god, this is uh And it just yeah it reminds me how. Bad things can can you know can be when, when you don't like what's going on around you and what it makes people do. Yeah. You know, th- with that yeah. with that fear of change and it's very uncomfortable. But what did you think of that being Bud's transformation? It's interesting that everybody has like, well, this is what transformed me and this is what transformed me, and when really it was violence that trans transformed Bud. Now I know there's more to yeah. it than just the violence but I just want to see what you what your thoughts around of uh, his transformation yeah I
0: liked I liked it and I, I thought to the same point I thought it, it was a little less and maybe impactful right like there's mm. something about um, the way in which others, sort of experience it, that you kind of go like, oh, I see it, right? Certainly Joan Allen is a key example, right? Where you learn to sort of not be repressed and so forth. I think that Toby, the way that that sort of interprets, you know, not just the violence, I don't know that the violence is is the thing itself, but rather the ability to maybe let Pleasantville go, because violence, you know, up until that point has like never been physically, I'm I'm trying to remember the movie, but I don't remember there being any physical altercation prior to that. So I think the way I kind of interpret it in my brain is a little bit like it's 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 him kind of reckoning or or at least releasing Pleasantville or maybe violence to a certain extent into the world, right? Which is sort of not it's accepting that Pleasantville isn't perfect or that Pleasantville mm-hmm. isn't pleasant. You know, that that this last little piece that says you've got to stand for something and violence is maybe needed or I don't know, obviously that's the, interesting the, the connotations yeah. around it. But I do think yeah. that there's maybe something to the the pristine element getting broken by bud slash david in this movie i think is maybe more where it's at than just he punches the kid mm-hmm. um but i i don't really know because I, I do not think that it necessarily lands perfectly whereas watching Punched bill macy you know in the courtroom scene where the, where sort of a lot of this stuff kind of starts to come to light there's this sort of feeling like well bill macy like won't, don't you want to be in love you know don't you want to say beautiful things and lovely things to people and be open with your heart, you know, and his reality or or finally kind of admitting that, yes, you know, that is a better way to live than sort of maybe the sort of masculinity. I am this, you know, you know, keep all my feelings inside and so forth that we all kind of do on, on various occasions. I thought that was a really effective release. I thought JT Walsh sort of releasing that anger, right. He's always really kind of pleasant, you know to use that word mm-hmm. you know when he's <laughs> even at the bowling alley talking to to bill macy and like the the shirt with the ironing you know the uh the iron on and and uh, you know the stain and so forth where he's kind of like you know well, things always used to win you always used to you know like always really kind of positive tones and and toby kind of pressing him to say like you want to punch me or you want to you know and he's like you're damn right and then he gets to to kind of you know, convert as it were. And obviously Betty Sue, who's, you know, the trick was, you know, it's not sex, right? Sex is what she used to do. You know, it's sort of accepting like, oh, actually, I'm more interested maybe a little bit in this when she denies Skip, you know, like, I want to read this book. Like, I'm, 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 I'm trying, you know, it's not necessarily turning away from promiscuity. I think it's just sort of realizing, like, I have a value more than my body. You know, and maybe and maybe that's sort of how she gets to sort of turn her color. And so I think the way in which they kind of unfold, particularly at the end, I thought was really effective. And they do have that Jeff Daniels scene where he's talking about like, well, you know, maybe just tell me what colors I can use and I'll paint them differently. Right. There is that trying to acquiesce. And like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I just want to paint. I just want to paint. Yeah. That's
1: all I want to do. Yeah.
0: Um, But as soon as somebody tells you you can't use yellow, then two weeks from now, they're going to tell you you can't use red. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now they can't use purple. And now you can't use – and it's a slippery slope once you start censoring like that, right? So I think that's what they're ultimately sort of fighting against. And I I just think Mm -hmm. the way that this movie kind of culminates into that is really incredible. And I I just think it's got – it's just got such a – I mean, it's kind of cute getting back into – Real world. What are your thoughts on, on on kind of getting back into the real world, back into the '90s? If 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 you've uh, spoken about the the courtroom scene enough,
1: um, you know, Phil, I don't. Let's get back to Don Knotts here. <laughs> sure. I. It's almost like they abandoned that that whole part of what happened in the movie. Like, he wasn't really happy with with how things were going, and mm-hmm. I felt like at the beginning. They have no, they had no way of getting back. That's just live in this world. Uh, We'll get by. We'll figure things out as we go. When really you had the remote the whole time. All you had to do is press the button. So I feel they kind of left. They didn't quite tie it up right. Not to put a pun with knots, but (laughs) it's (laughs) and all of a sudden it's just I can get back right now. It's no problem. I just press this and I'm back. And then Don seems fine with everything. So I think it's almost like they just abandoned abandoned it. And, and sure. just, just to kind of tie thing on, this is, oh, no, I'm going, this, this, what I, what had to be done here in Pleasantville is now done. And it, there was that yes. sense of of now that everything's in color, great scene with, you know, not great, but, you know, with Macy and and, and Alan. What, what what are we going to do next? I don't know. You know, it's kind of like The Graduate. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what we're yeah, going to do that's now. That's the
0: last line of the movie, I think. That's the best. Yeah, that's the, that's I think the, it the is. Best. But bef- before that, I just want to – because I have a couple things to say about that one. But in terms of the, the 90s bit – and him going back and sort of the scene with his mom or anything like that. Was well, there a good anything scene. about that that sort of stuck out? Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I, I like that scene because uh, 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 that part is all tying in really nice because <clears> his, <throat> his mother is a single mother and she's meeting someone who's younger than her and she's, I'm supposed to have the car, I'm supposed to have this. And he's just explaining basically what he's just experienced and saying, no, it's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that. It's not what it's about. So that that itself, yeah. if you if you're more regards <laughs> of that, sort of get Don Knotts involved here. But uh, that aside, I thought that was a, a great uh, scene and very very touching and very relative, uh, like very, you know relevant to what the movie was trying to do in the first place. Yeah, yeah I think that, that I think up. that's
0: yeah, yeah, I think that, that that's what how I interpret too is like yeah. he, this is the first quiet moment he's had with his real mother, and it's a little bit like he wipes the makeup off of her. You know, because like I think she's been crying. It kind of takes oh, a tissue and wipes her eye, yeah, right? There's always a little digging, bit of kind Phil. Of Good job. Yeah, <laughs> uh, mirroring those two scenes, you know, um, yeah. and having a quiet moment and really saying the thing that he probably didn't believe until the end of Pleasantville or like the the show and his experiences there, which is to say, there is no right way. There is no you, you know, only way. You know, you're supposed to have this. You're supposed to have that. There is no supposed to, right? Your life is what happens. Uh, Lennon says, life is what happens when you're. Make, busy making other plans you know it just unfolds and the more restrictions you try and put on yourself and the more expectations you put on yourself the more limitations you put on yourself or the more disappointment you feel when you don't achieve them or you're constantly looking at, the, at, at what is what could be better and that's ultimately how he's how the movie opens with him ultimately is looking about what what could be better what would be better if he was over here doing this thing or they had it better then than i do now and the reality is Everybody was unhappy and happy and excited and miserable and scared and elated at all times, no matter the decade. You know, it was always a fucked up situation, <laughs> you know, no matter where you are. And I think there's a certain clarity that comes at the end of the movie with those two uh, in, that, in that scene. And I, I agree with you in terms of the Don knots of it all, that, that that part of the movie, it's really just the, the way in which you get in and out of Pleasantville. I didn't expect it to necessarily do more. I think yeah. that there's room to have done more. I agree with you. I think ultimately it is maybe a bit of a of a dropped ball, you know, in terms of yeah. of plot cohesion. I agree that there's there, there there probably is more that could have been mined, and they did kind of drop it unceremoniously. Like I, I agree with that. <laughs> I, like I just think it does it just sort of disappears. But I think you're really only using it. I think from a storytelling perspective as like a way in and a way out, uh, and not much else. Um, and as a result, I, you know, it didn't really bother me. But once you once you bring it up, I think to myself, yeah, I don't have an answer for that. You know, like I don't, I don't. Uh, no matter how much digging I do, I, I think that it, yeah. it's, it's definitely a, kind of a missed opportunity for sure.
1: But I mean, the grand scheme of things, that's not what's important in the movie. Of course. Clearly. Uh, you sure. can do this a you- number of ways. You could have like, I got knocked on the head and, and I was watching Pleasantville yeah. at the time and I, and I got knocked out and all of a sudden I'm in Dreamworld yeah. and I'm in Pleasantville. Classic
0: sitcom trope, right? Happens all yeah. the
1: time. Exactly. So that's uh, something they they could have done. But again, it's not as impactful if it's just a dream, I think. And yes. that's that's the risk that would have been doing it that way, where this way I think opens up more to to the impact. I just think they didn't know kind of how to you know tie it up at the end there. So I was like, eh, yeah. whatever. I don't. I think I think we need to probably the truth. Yeah, <laughs> <You guys> probably <laughs> didn't know how, and they just <laughs> skipped it. But <laughs> you know, uh, just like, yeah, fuck it. You know, the core of the movie is uh, that is so, like, not important compared to everything else uh, about, about the movie and what the messages it's trying to – the themes and, and everything. There's so much – again, this is a, a big can of worms that you can open up to, uh, up to, and I think the movie does a pretty good job of not going too, keeping it light enough, which is kind of a balancing act when you're dealing with this sort of material. So I think they do a good enough mm-hmm. job of, of, ba- of keeping that kind of – well, let's keep it light – and entertaining, yeah. while tackling some 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 really big themes and 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 some subject matters, so it's good. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, just a minor, minor, very very minor irk. Not, not the end of the world. I think I think just sure. the Don just felt I like I I'm a big Don not Donnats fan for no reason whatsoever other than Matlock, but <laughs> I just. I know. it just didn't feel like that whole thing just kind of felt weird and out of place to me. I don't know.
0: I think he's there because he's sort of a television icon, right? Between yeah, uh, oh yeah, I suppose, Andy Griffith yeah. and and Matt Lock and yeah, that's Three a Company. Point. Like he's just sort of a he's guy that's guy. been on television forever. So
1: he's a good um, face to choose. Yeah,
0: yeah. I kind of that's how I interpret it anyway. Yeah. But again, I don't know that he's a linchpin of the hole. Like he's the he's the way in and out of the story. But but that's not much more than that. And then just in terms of the ending, I just think uh, it's just one of those pitch perfect endings i think you've got it ends with the two of them bill macy and, and uh and joan allen just sitting on the bench and, and so what do you think is going to happen and they both say i don't know they and then the camera kind of pans pans and then pans back and then jeff daniels is there and he's like i guess i don't either and i think there's just something kind of powerful about particularly after the movie we just watched which is to say nobody knows And the beauty of of Pleasantville is that nobody knows now, right? Whereas before, Jeff Daniels used to know what was happening. You come in, then I do this, then you do this, then I do this. And he was so lost without it when it first was happening. And he was so unsure and uncertain and terrified on some level of breaking that routine of what to do, what to do, how do I do? I don't know how to do this thing. And then excited at the possibility of... I can paint now, and I can do this stuff, and I can do that. So, by ending with the, th- the three sort of main Pleasantville characters all saying, "I have no idea what's going to happen next," I think puts a button on the movie. It puts a button on the the, the mm-hmm. themes and the ideas, and and I just thought, what a great way to end the movie. I, I was so moved even by just such simple lines um, that I thought was really, really powerful. So I, I just I loved the uh, I loved the. Uh, the movie uh, it ended perfectly to me. Uh, there's so many things about this movie I just I just loved, and it makes me kind of regret not having seen it more often in the last sort of 20 plus years. But mm-hmm. uh, everybody in it just delivers stellar performances, and uh, was just an amazing experience. So happily going back on my shelf, I can't think of anything uh, you know more positive to say about it. I, I think it's really incredible and. Uh, David what are your thoughts on the ending and, and sort of overall thoughts? And, and maybe more importantly, what have you got for us next week? Uh,
1: well, I wasn't. I wasn't. I sat still during the ending. I wasn't moved physically. I was moved emotionally, though. I did. I think. Um, <laughs> I like that part of the. I think the movie itself wrapped up just fine uh, for a movie yeah. that could have been a little bit difficult to wrap up, uh, having sure. just the two different worlds. So uh, mm-hmm. that part, I'm. I wasn't blown away, but it it, it tied it up. Uh, uh, that part of it, anyways, uh, just fine for me. Uh, overall, I mean, what I had kind of noticed, for me, the movie, having watched it back again when it first came out, it seemed for me to, for whatever reason, depreciate a lot. It was like a like a okay. Nissan Leaf or a BMW i3. These are cars that just depreciated a lot sure. once the, after, <laughs> after you drove it off the sure. lot. So that was one of my initial thoughts. And I think I'm trying to figure out why, Phil, because it's a really funny thing, is... I didn't really feel impacted by the movie yeah, for whatever reason not not to any dislike whatsoever. I just for some reason I thought it was going to impact me more again this time around. I think for me, you know, I lived a pretty just to use their terminology, a very colorful life I would say probably in my 20s mm-hmm. uh and 30s maybe even, even more actually. <laughs> and <laughs> what the movie did do is it made me realize how black and white I've become. In my life in oh, kind yes. of regards to routine, you know, I get up, mm-hmm. I do th- I do this, I, I have my coffee, I do this, not to say I'm unhappy or anything or but there are some comparisons like, wow, I really kind of you know I'm not living like I did, and not necessarily it was all good, believe me <laughs> uh, I had too much freedom Phil, and I didn't really do a great job with the freedom. <laughs> so it, so kind of what what I was talking about earlier is sometimes you know what you do with the free will and stuff isn't always good. Uh, unfortunately uh, But it, what it did do Even if I didn't really feel Impact at the time Is it made me think And it made me f- And I realized I haven't really felt much lately And feel You know Expressed uh, You know I play my video games You know And I, I do my routine Not, And I mm-hmm. was up all night Listening to music after I watched the movie. so oh, yes, okay. So that was just a kind of an interesting thing to, f- to sit there and feel like, oh, that was an okay movie. I didn't mind it. It was good. It's just what I remember. You know, it's kind of obvious what was going to happen. This is why everything's changing color. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. Yet at the same time, it's like, oh, it made me just think and wonder and just kind of impacted me kind of subconsciously almost. Mm. So it was it interesting. Was inter- yeah, it was a, an interesting experience. And I was literally listening to music all night. Like, uh, uh, like you know, how I like the... Uh, Instrumental music, you know, like of piano course. music, things like that. Things that really make you feel and express and and things like that. So it was quite an interesting experience overall. This, the movie itself, again, I think there's a lot of good things, uh, choices the movie does. I think it's one of those movies that is a must-watch. You have to watch this movie. It's just almost in a category of its own. The idea, the director, the writer, the, everything is just fantastic. Kind of a world to bring to the, to the table, and what they did with it, you know. I know we've talked about before of oh, this is such a great idea, or like the kid, or you know, oh, such a great. <laughs> but the ex, but the execution isn't there. Yeah, and, and they missed some idea. Now, this isn't a perfect movie, but I can definitely see where you're coming from, and why you why you like the movie so much, and why you wish you'd kind of watched it watched it more. Is because it does those things. You just, it does. It makes good choices of what it does with each of the characters. And then you combine that with such a great cast and like, well, that's that's fantastic. Good choice is a good cast. So all in all, it's a good movie. I just don't know if I'd watch it again. Like I've got I don't know. It's a tough this one was a tough read for me, Phil, to be perfectly honest with you. It was it was a good movie. It just didn't move me like I thought it was gonna move me. So maybe that's just okay. uh, It's a must watch. There's no argument that that there is no argument of. But uh, those are more or less my final thoughts. Again, it's a it's a it's a movie that uh, you know it still sinks in too. There's a lot lot to take in with the movie as well. So for next week, we're gonna gonna go not far from when we when Pleasantville took place, I guess. Uh, we're going to 1960, and you kind of teased it earlier in our episode. Here is uh, Swiss Family Robinson. I believe it's a Disney film.
0: Wow, that is a Disney film that I have never seen. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it. So I'm looking forward to the, to the watch and uh, we'll get this episode out on time, folks. Uh, thanks for <laughs> listening. Uh, feel free to uh, follow us on uh, our Facebook page, uh, Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave on Facebook. And obviously uh, share, like, subscribe, follow uh, this podcast in, in, in whatever fashion you're listening to it. Tell all your friends. Uh, we uh, enjoy doing it and we look forward to uh, talking to more of you soon. Uh, for now, we'll see you next week.
1: And you can watch it on any so media you want. Your pick, Spotify, whatever you want. It's your choice. Free will. Free we're not will. gonna.
0: We're not gonna. We're not gonna tell you what to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Other than watch it or listen to it. I just Other said.
0: than watch it and subscribe <laughs> and listen and share. All those things will tell you. But how you do those
1: things, that's all you. <laughs> <laughs> all <right. laughs> Good night, folks. Good night.